This is Moss Eisley Tower. We are tracking you. Head for Bay 35. Over. Copy that. Locked in for 35. Welcome to the Docking Bay 35 podcast. I'm your host, Vinny, and this is my co host, Sharon. We'd like to welcome you to our Transmission One. Hello there. We are a locally and humbly owned hangar out here on Tatooine. We'd like to introduce ourselves as one of the coolest Star Wars podcasts out there. Oh, geez. What am I saying? <laughs> well, no, this is correct. We are by far the coolest Star Wars podcast ever. Rate us five stars, please. Please. <laughs> please help us. Okay, um, but yeah, basically, as Vinny said, this is just going to be um, a casual, run-of-the-mill Star Wars podcast where we just comment on things that we love about Star Wars, whether or not it's specific episodes or maybe specific topics that we're really excited to talk about and get into really big detail over. Um, just to sort of start us off, um, we sort of wanted to spend this first episode just um, to introduce ourselves and what we do and what we love about Star Wars. Um, and I think, like, the easiest question and the funnest question to ask is, like, how you even get into Star Wars. Do you want to sort of start us off with that? Uh, sure. Um, let's see. Well, I really got this into Star Wars when I was a child, um, a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. Uh, I had watched episodes four through six on a rainy weekend. My parents had gone out of town, and I was left with my uncle and aunt and uh, we watched episode four, A New Hope, and I just was blown away. Uh, it was kind of awkward because Luke's uncle and Annette were fried, disintegrated. <laughs> um, but uh, we watched it with, uh, yeah, I watched it with my uncle, me and my little yeah. brother. And uh, that's where my galaxy was, ex- uh, I was introduced to a much larger world, if you know what I mean. Uh, from there, I didn't really start watching the prequels till later. Um, I was just actually speaking to my mom. She actually remembers me watching it uh, on VHS at home. Uh, that, uh, that's a Phantom Minutes. And uh, later, going to see episode two, because I was a big boy and could go to the theaters <laughs> with my friends. <laughs> um, and then for the conclusion, episode three, I think... I had gone to a drive-in theaters. Yes, those still exist out here in California. Um, yeah, we watched it and I cried like a baby. I'm pretty sure. Twenty. Well, how old was I in 2005? Well, that doesn't matter. Uh, but You're yeah, pretty young, right? Pretty young age. Yeah. But still, I get. I still get emotional at movies. Shoot, I cried at the rise of skywalker you i've (laughs) i've watched a lot of star wars movies with you now and you have cried at literally every single star wars movie i've ever seen i really love this series and you know when han's just like ben (laughs) can't help myself i get all emotional yeah and i mean i i i appreciate that i think and i think that like that's like the whole thing about star wars is that it's all about like this kind of emotional vulnerability right especially like between like men like Luke Skywalker struggles and he very openly struggles and 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 like I always thought that that moment like in episode three where like Obi-Wan is like so heartbroken over what happened with Anakin and how his story was was starting to unravel in like episode three how that I don't know I think but yeah I I think that that 
the Star Wars does help in like making you feel like emo- very emotionally accessible and I remember oh, being wait. a little confused though. when <laughs> I was a kid like I remember being like yeah I'm a Jedi emotions oh those are weird bottle them up you can't have those and then as I got older it's like oh no I can't do that maybe I'm not a Jedi maybe I'm a Mandalorian Uh, (laughs) (laughs) we we could talk about that more I'm trying to like um, rip us back into topics so sorry so Sharon how did you get into Star Wars oh um so for listeners out there um if you can't already tell Vinny and I are about similarly the same age um I'm 25 now and so that gives you sort of an idea of like when we grew up so I definitely wasn't alive when um, the original trilogy came out. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. (laughs) But um, we basically... So, like, I was around, like, eight years old when I watched my first Star Wars film in theaters, and that was Attack of the Clones, episode two. The best Star Wars movie. Best Star Wars movie. Um, And I'm only half joking. I I really love episode two. I remember watching it. um, My siblings took me, my brother and my sister, and... I just, like, like, I was, because I was, like, only eight years old at the time, so, like, I don't really remember that much, but what I do remember distinctly was the fight between, um, Yoda and Count Dooku. Ooh, that's a good one. It's so good. Well, I mean, like, because I was, like, a tiny little child, right? Like, I'm, like, especially compared, because my siblings were so much older than me and were freakishly tall, because, like, my brother is, like, six foot... Six foot three, four, you sure? Like six, I don't know. Uh, But like, they're like, they're both above six feet tall. And so I've always felt like a dwarf and like, just like a small little child. Um, And so like, when I watched like episode two and like, like you would never see, like at like, with CG at the time, you could never see something that small just jack up so much shit. You know, like the way that Yoda like fought count dooku and like just all the spinning Spinning. and like that choreography and also just like the cg and like how you just really felt like into like that magical space it 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 was just i don't know it was like it just got me really excited as an eight-year-old well episode two was your empire strikes back it sounds like yeah no i know and and i'm sure there are a lot of people that will find that strange but i'm sure i've uh Hello, new listeners, and also goodbye if you didn't like that. Uh, also, yes, sorry, uh, parental warning, discretion. Uh, we may say bad words from time to time, but we mean no harm by them. Uh, Star Wars Episode Three was PG-13, and I like to consider our podcast that as well. After I started watching, um, after I watched Episode 2 and Episode 3, um, I didn't necessarily get back into Star Wars. Like, I, I knew that it existed, and I... Like understood the zeitgeist enough to know like who Luke Skywalker was, who Luke, um, who Mark Hamill was, and like you know I'm your father. But I I actually was sort of not super into Star Wars until much later. Um, basically, what happened is that um, my roommate, my college roommate Tina, she um, she and I like really hit it off, and we we were roommates basically for our total four years as um, in undergrad. And during that time, I remember I made, like, some offhanded joke about um, Samuel L. Jackson playing, like, Mace Windu and why his lightsaber was purple. And, like, in, in, in a proper Tina fashion, she just really was just, like, 
she, like, saw it as an opportunity for me to, like, understand more about, like, you know, Mace Windu. Like, she really loved Matthew Stover because of the episode three novelization. And I also think he did Shatterpoint. Oh, yes. Right? Um, yeah. And so he did that. And so, and I think um, there are, there's, like, the Ryloth arc in um, the Clone Wars 3D um, animated TV show. And in that, they sort of touch on some, like, parts of Shatterpoint, like, at least in terms of his abilities. Yeah. And so she basically, <laughs> out of this, like, half-hearted joke, just, like, wedged her way into make, in wa- making me watch this Ryloth art. You're going to watch this show, and you're <laughs> going to like it. I know, like, it's, I, I really felt, like, roped in, but, like, I also, you know, was sort of curious, like, I, I only really... I, like, I didn't really, like, get that invested into the original trilogy after watching the prequels, and so, um, this was sort of, like, my first foray into, like, the, ex- um, the expanded universe, or, like, even just anything that was more. Right, there was more to the, just the movies? Right, yeah, and, and, like, I, and it's, like, weird, because, like, especially, like, as prequel babies, like, I feel like when we were kids, like, we were allowed to really like Star Wars, but then when we grew up and, like, got into high school, like, a bunch of older people started telling us, like, no, that these movies were bad, and, like, they were badly written, and, like, sort of made us feel sort of ashamed to, like, to just be... Oh, no, like, I definitely had to hide my saber for many years until the Return of the Jedi. Really, this Clone Wars, like, I remember getting into it as well, and just, uh, going to WonderCon when it was still in San Francisco and being blown away by Dave Filoni and his cool hat. Yeah, he does wear that hat. He does wear that hat. Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, no, that's fine. Um, you can totally interrupt. Um, um, and so basically what happened is that after, um, after she showed me those couple of episodes, she, I was, like, sort of interested enough where, um, basically, like, Tina... <laughs> She was just like, this is my time. And so she, like, started, like, showing me all these other episodes that she thought that I would like. So she went through um, a handful of, like, I think, like, the quote-unquote best um, arcs in The Clone Wars. So I think she showed me Mortis arc, even though she personally didn't like it. She showed me Lawless arc, which also, yeah. So she showed me those. She showed me um, the Rookies episode, the... um, I'm trying to remember... Yeah, like, she basically, like, tried to, like, show me, like, the best of, like, the Clone Wars, and that was cool. And then I watched the Umbara arc. So if, if listeners, you don't know, um, in, like, the Clone Wars animated TV show, it's basically spans between, um, episode, um, it spans between episode two and episode three, um, and basically just goes over the Clone Wars, and it's, like, this anthology where, like, really any characters can be the main character of that episode, and it just tells, like, that story. And the Embarra arc is the story in which um, Captain Rex, who is the leader of the 501st Clone um, Torrent Company, he, um, he like, discovers that uh, one of the Jedi is corrupt and then has to sort of deal with the consequences of that. And it means killing other clones. It means, like, having him to question his programming and what he's doing. And sort of to start to unpack, like exactly how fucked up the situation is for really both 
not just the clones, but also for, like, the Jedi and for the civilians, like, under this war. And it's, like, the first time you see, like, how deep they're all in it at this point. I don't think it's necessarily the first time, though. I think it's more, like... It's it's a really great episode, or a great um, arc that really just really unpacks that for you as, like, a viewer. And really, like... I think it's, like, the first time that somebody really took the prequels seriously since the three movies. Um, or or Gendy Tar- Tartakovsky's... Tartakovsky. Um, right, but I guess, like, the first time since, like, when I was a child that I, I personally felt that somebody was taking the prequels as seriously. Right, or um, just the clones as seriously. Right. Well, I mean, I didn't really... I wasn't even that into clones until I watched the Umbara arc. Because I didn't I didn't see them as people. Oh. You know, like oh. the Jedi. <laughs> I mean... Well, it wasn't that they didn't see them as... I mean, episode one, Yoda, you see Ambush, and he's just like, Mmm, in the Force, you're all individuals. Yeah, you're right. Individuals you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, um... I think it's more that, like... You know, that... Like, I saw them as, like, you know, as much as droids. And I think that the movie, especially Attack of the Clones, it doesn't give you that time. And also, I I don't think the Jedi really, at that point, are really thinking about the ethics of accepting this clone army. I mean, the whole idea behind the clone army was so they didn't have to do a public uh, draft, in theory. Like, they saw the war coming, or... Yeah, I thought... Really, the clones were just, like, the savior of, of the galaxy. And then they were retired and thrown away. Like droids. So I guess, in a I way... I mean, but, the, but I, the, the thing that I really love about the Empire arc is that, like, were they necessarily the saviors? Or were they just a pawn in some, like, large scheme that created the Empire? Like, it doesn't... Like, they actually... Like, are they heroes? And that's, like, the question that they ask. That's what... That's the question that, like... I feel like um, Dave Filoni asks of the Jedi of right. li- lit- like of the senators because like at the end of the day like yes like these small movements and like these small little victories are happening but at the end of the day like everything sort of ends in the same way that like Phantom Menace ends you know what I mean right where it's like at the end like you think that they're winning but Palpatine's smiling in the background and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, everybody went on a bit of a tangent. I know, but that's the fun of doing a podcast, right? Hello there. Hello. I like. I don't think that any other podcast doesn't go on tangents. I feel like that's the. I feel like it's part of the. It's the fun of it, right? I guess. Yeah. Well, in theory, we're going to be talking about individual episodes, uh, individual arcs, um, as we get deeper into this podcast ourselves yeah and this is like the first um time that we see like clones modded for underwater battle at least as far as i'm aware um right well this is the first time we also see lightsaber combat underwater underwater. yeah and i love how like his lightsaber like sort of pulses out and it looks like waves it's right it looks like water itself like the energy isn't like a solid beam well at least it's not animated that way yeah, yeah, and I and I love that part of like the two D animation where like it has that flexibility to be like, to to li- not be as literal and like to really just play into like the cartoonishness of it. I mean the 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 uh, force 
being used under the water itself was just beastly. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the first and the whole show is just so beastly. I hear you want to chat about how beautiful Obi-Wan is. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, this is, um, so, like, this is the only time that we ever see Obi-Wan Kenobi with a full cape, with full clone armor, because he wears clone armor, um, in the, right. in the beginning of the Javelin scene. And, like, I've never seen him as majestic, and I, and I wish more people did this costume. I've always wanted to do that costume. Like, his hair is flowing. It's flowing, the air, and just, it's so majestic. Yeah, and I love the implication of, like, him actually wearing the clone armor, and, like, I, like, I don't know, like, because we never ever see, like, other Jedi really donning that armor on them, on their own. Like, usually they're wearing, like, something that's sort of clone armory in terms of just the gauntlets and maybe like a chest covering um but this is like the only time that i th- I, i've seen like them like actually put on the helmet and stuff even though it gets taken off like immediately after right i mean season one you really just see the bare bones like hey this is war they're not really going on huge missions but they're like taking out droids and making stuff blow up yeah and like and, and i guess like also part of it too is just like maybe like Obi-Wan and the Jedi don't really know who they are in this war yet either, and that's maybe why. Right. And, like, both, like, in terms of just, like, in within the narrative, but also, like, maybe in terms of production, like, maybe, like, Gendy Tartakovsky and, like, the production team there didn't really know sort of where the boundaries were between, like, Jedi and general and, like, leader of a clone army kind of thing. And maybe that's why we had this sort of cool moment where Obi-Wan could wear the clone armor and, like, you know what I mean? Right, right, where he was like, I need all the protection because I'm about to go joust. Mount up! (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's basically season one in a nutshell. Do you want to move on to season two? Yeah, sure. All right, so Anakin is in a space battle with Asajj Ventress. Meanwhile, on Ilum... Master Luminara is training her Padawan Barriss Afi only to be interrupted by a droid attack. Those droids were so OP. Did you see them? They were going invisible and stuff. Yeah, no, they were really cool. No ship that size has a cloaking device. (laughs) (coughs) Uh, So do you want to talk about the air battle? Yeah, oh my god. So this air battle is... Um, at, at first, it's just a major air battle between the droids and the clones. Uh, and I think the implication is that it's sort of around the same time that Obi-Wan is having his battle um, on the ground with the javelins and the jousting droids and dirge. Dirge. <laughs> but it's really interesting. Um, again, like, it's it's going back to, like, the whole D- Gendy Tartakovsky and, like, the 2D animation where um, you really, like... it. Like the, I don't it think it was chaotic. Yeah, it was really chaotic. Like there were so many things happening, and th- I think this is the. I think all the ships are the only section where it's not necessarily strictly two D animated. That there's some things that are like three D animated and like seem unnatural or computerized, which I feel like is great for like spaceships. Right. You know? I mean, it's easier to make a spaceship fly than it is to animate a spaceship flying. Like, that many ships on screen is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it just, it looks, um, I don't know, like, I, and, like, I don't think I ever felt the same way about a space battle in Star Wars, um, until, like, maybe, uh, maybe besides the opening scene to episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, I think that's what they were trying to portray, that that was coming, but this was way early, way before that. Yeah, I definitely think, like, they both influenced each other, and that they're, that, that those two scenes, both episode three and, um, the start of season two, are really, like, meant to, like, um, be part of the same kind of, or trying to tell the same kind of story. Right. Um, How many are four droids do you think Obi-Wan and Anakin went through? Because there is one and it gets its head blasted off in this one. I mean, I I don't know why they haven't just... I'm, I was surprised that they didn't use R2. I'm glad they didn't because right R4 is gone. Or at least this version That's of because it. R4 did, is not as good as R2-D2. Um, he needs that plot armor. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Asajj's, Asajj Ventress's ship is way different than anything we've ever seen with those expanding wings and uh, just seems like a very versatile and um, movable Yeah, ship. it was really cool. Um, it it d- definitely gave sort of like um, Count Dooku-y vibes and uh, I, I remember looking into it because I was like so curious what the ship was and it's called a Genevex class starfighter. Um, it looks so much more organic, like, the way that it sort of spreads, like, this kind of, like, web-looking thing. Right. It, the web-looking thing reminds me of uh, Count Dooku's starship, where it kind of has this, like, parachute yeah. out front. Yeah. And it, and, but it also sort of gives me, like, sort of prequel-era, like, vibes. Like, sort of like how the Naboo starfighters, like, everything seems, like, a little bit more organic, as opposed to, like, a, like rusty and beat-up that's more like the original trilogy kind of vibe. Um, and it also, like, sort of has, like, it also sort of reminds me of, like, a B-Wing in the sense that, like, it's, like, really tall and, like, the, like, just the placement of, like, where the guns are on that ship. Right, right. I mean, it's so cool because the guns seem to be on the outer edges of this both Anakin's ship and Asajj's ship. So they're literally just outmaneuvering each other the whole time trying yeah. to get that one shot off. And it's just great how they animated a real dogfight. Yeah, yeah, no, it looks really cool. And um, apparently, and I don't remember this at all, but we also see this same Genevex-class starfighter that Asajj um, flies in the 3D Clone Wars, um, and we're going to see it again in the Night Sisters arc, apparently. So moving on to Mace Windu, we really get to see the power of the Force and that breaking point uh, mentality. You mean the shatter point? Shatter point. Yeah. So Mace Windu, we get to see his uh, purple lightsaber really uh, shattering some points there. <laughs> Just wrecking house. It's um, yeah. I know that we touched on this like a little bit before in the past episode, just because we were so excited to talk about it because it's just like so extreme, like total, like never. In, like, I don't think ever that we're gonna see, like, the Force, like, just this powerful and just this 100% rule of cool. And I love how, like, at the end, he's, like, just, he, like, comes up to, like, a random kid and, like, just drinks its water. I'm thirsty. I mean, I would be thirsty, too, if I took down a space piston. Yeah, that's true. Alright, well, getting back to, um, Ilum with, um... Luminara? And Master Luminara and her pet and Parasophy. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this like the first time that we see anybody, uh, or that we see Ilum? Yeah, at all. This is the first time ever that we see the Jedi Temple on Ilum, where they get their crystals. 
Yeah, and it's, um, you know, um, apparently Ilum is actually based off of, like, ILM. Oh. Yeah, though I remember because um, an employee at Galaxy's Edge, um, so we're both on the West Coast in California, and so we go to Galaxy's Edge um, down in Disneyland a lot, or, you know. As frequently as you can. Yeah, as frequently as we can. Um, And there was this one Galaxy's Edge cast member that... He's like near Ronto Roasters. I I forget his name, but he basically Sorry, he he had um he had like all these like trivia questions, and that was one of his trivia questions was which planet is based off of Ilum. So FYI, it's Ilum. It's um for those that don't know, like the, it's this planet that is like full of kyber crystals, and it's um and I think it's most prominently um sort of featured in the three D Clone Wars arc where a bunch of young Jedi go there to get their first crystals for their lightsabers. Right, with uh, uh, David Tennant as the spunkiest yes. and most uh, coolest droid. And, and I think I, th- I think um, the 3D animated gets an, got an Emmy for specifically that those those episodes. Right. Well, we could get to that episode when we get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, but for now, um, yeah, I guess this is the first time that we really see Ilum and you see Barris getting her first, um, her first like kyber crystal, right? Um, which is oh, it's so bittersweet because like what happens to her? Yeah, oh. just like uh, like you. Sorry, you, these Star Wars tangents. We want to talk about those episodes. We got to focus on this episode. Sorry. No, I mean we can still sort of touch on that. That there is a bittersweetness to like seeing Barris. True. Uh, because you just know like the Jedi path that she goes down. Um, but in any case, so, like, there's that moment, and, like, you see, like, all the... I I just love any time where, like, we see, like, the kyber crystal and then all the little Jedi parts, like, clicking together perfectly. I love perfectly. that so much. I know. I could watch that, like, just on loop. All day. All day. All day. It's, um, it's just so magical. You know what else I could watch all day? What? Snow Bunny Padme. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to me why people love Snowbunny Padme so You know much. what? I can't explain it myself. <laughs> um, it's just an easy costume, I guess, if you want to get into the Star Wars costume no. clubs. Oh, is it just that like a ton of people love dressing up as Snowbunny Padme? I really don't know. I was joking around. Although, it does seem like a very simple costume, and the way she uses her cape to draw out the uh, incoming droids... As a non-force mm-hmm. user, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I love how <laughs> I feel so bad for the C three PO and R two D two. R two D two knows what's happening. Yeah, C three PO. C three PO is just like ah, <laughs> <laughs> but in like an Anthony Daniels way. So he's like ah, <laughs> oh Anthony Daniels. Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, I love Padme, um, and always like her going like super gung ho and like going against the grain of what you think that she is based off of, like, what she wears, and yeah, if I personally don't I don't know if we really should be spending a ton of time talking about her costume but I don't know, like, I I always, I always feel like Padme and, like, maybe just Star Wars girls in general like, have really nice hair right? and, like, because it's covered by, like, a, not really a balaclava but, like, her hair is, like, so covered it gives me more of, like, an alien vibe than, like, actual, like, pin-up-y which I, I don't know if that's the appeal as the pinup. I don't know. 
I mean, there is an episode of Clone Wars 3D uh, deleted scene where uh, Padme is a pinup girl on the We're, side of a starship. You know what? We're, we might be actually getting that <gasps> in because of the 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 last season of the Clone Wars right. is getting picked up. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I can't wait. That'd be cool. I um, know. We get to see Anakin be like flustered and frustrated. Um, oh, oh. In 3D. his own clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where were we? Where were we? Um, oh, Yoda's also in this episode on Ilum. Um, he kind of wanders off early in the episode, uh, getting past uh, Typho. What's his What's his rank? Commander Typho. Wait, what do you mean? So Yoda, in order to security detail. Oh, what's his rank though? He's sergeant. Sergeant, sergeant Typho. Typho. Oh, okay. and then there's Captain Panaka who. I get mixed up between the two, but it, yeah, no, this is Sergeant Typho, who he gets mind-tricked, which, um, I'm surprised that Yoda did this, and I feel like this is, like, this is, I'm sort of glad that this isn't canon, where Yoda just, like, mind-tricks his way into, like, making Sergeant Typho switch course. I feel like, ethically, that that's really strange, even for Yoda. I mean, Yoda's gotta be like, hey, the temple on Ilum's in trouble, please, I need to go help them and no. but i need to watch her but i need to also worry about the jedi temple on hillum hello waves hand no i i don't know it really bothers me and i it, but like i i still find it sort of funny that padme's just like man i wish i had that <laughs> so that i could just do the fuck i want i mean when does padme not do what she wants yeah but she always has to fight for it and like i feel like yeah i don't know you but you're right yeah padme Padme does what she wants. It's true. Um, but yeah, anyways, and so, um, meanwhile, like, while that fight is happening, um, you, again, we're sort of touching back on what happens chronologically. Anakin and Asajj end up crash landing into Yavin 4. Um, and at, and we know Yavin 4 as basically, like, the rebel base from episode 4. Yep. And, um, also featured in Rogue One. But, this is like well before that and back when it's just like these ruins and um where those ruins come from we don't know i think there's probably something (laughs) Uh, but it's really cool um the the whole planet is like raining and so while they're fighting with their lightsabers like you could see the steam coming off um from the light and um and again like this is like sort of new territory um I don't think, like, we ever see, like, a battle in water, or, like, in, like, sort of, like, rain until episode nine. Right. Where Kylo and Rey are fighting each yeah, other. Yeah, we don't see, like, an, uh, in real life. A wet, a, a wet. moist, white lightsaber battle. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we sort of do in the 3D animated version, but the art direction is completely different from what we see here. Yeah. And and I think that the steam sort of helps, like, here, because, like, the whole point is, like, that Anakin is just so about his emotions that, like, you could see the anger build and, like, the frustration. He's of a hot boy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he's, like, a hot boy. And, like, he doesn't know what to do with his hot boyness, and he goes to the dark side, and you can really see it in this fight. Oh, as it, like, take culminates. out my hot boy emotions on these cookies. <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, well, yeah. after that, we get into the final chapter of Volume 1, and that is Season 3, 
where we really get to see Anakin and Padme's relationship be tested for the first time. Well, not for the first time, but... And then 3D... Oh, sorry. Uh, hand-animated outlook. Yeah. Well, like, okay, so season three is, is sort of weird to me. This is a bit of a tangent, but season three is always sort of, like, weird to me because, like, I feel like the first two are really close to Attack of the Clones, and then it, like, just time jumps immediately to, like, right before episode three. Mm-hmm. It's always sort of thrown me off because, and maybe this is why the 3D Clone Wars TV show exists, because it really helps bridge the gap of the bridge of this gap. Right. Of the bridge between the movies. Right. Um, like, suddenly Anakin has longer hair, and, like, he's chiller, and, like, more, in, like, he's more friends with Obi-Wan, and I always found that sort of jarring, and, like, it sort of comes from nowhere. Right, well, at the same time, Kiati <laughs> Moody is shirtless, and, uh, his Padwan Shaggy-kun is still alive. Um... Mean yeah, so we have uh it starts off with Anakin and Padme, but then there's this uh side story where we see Kiadi Mundi and a group of Jedi uh trying to survive against General Grievous and his droid army. What do you think of seeing uh General Grievous in a hand animated version? I thought General Grievous was in season three. Or in season two. Where? So, where were we? So, Yavin 4, we really get to see Anakin's anger be uh, brought to the boiling point. And, Literally. Uh, right, I mean, he... Basically, I mean, I think he thought he killed Asajj just there. Yeah, and I think uh, as far as, like, this show goes, do we even see Asajj Ventress in the later seasons? I don't remember. We have to rewatch volume two to find out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe the implication was that she died because I I'm not sure if. Um. Maybe the implication was that she died because. Um, I don't know. She served her purpose. Yeah, she served her purpose for the narrative. Um. But, you know, who knows? I like. I feel like the 3D Clone Wars TV show is sort of notorious for bringing random Sith people back. I mean, it's Star Wars to bring random Sith people back. I mean, episode 9. Hey. Hey. Darth Maul. Hey. Hey. Um, well, let's get into season 3 uh, and wrap this puppy up. Okay. So, uh, season 3 starts off with Anakin and... Padme uh, flaunting sexy C-3PO in his new gold plating. Oh man, the sexy! I love, I love the reveal of C-3PO's gold plating. It's just like. Sorry, is this copywritten? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it's pretty cool to see like how C-3PO got his gold plating, and over the years, it just starts getting rustier and dirtier, and eventually, he probably loses a leg or something. And an arm. And an arm. <laughs> well, at the same time, uh, we see Kiadi Mundi, uh, a shirtless, sexy, hot Kiadi Mundi, and a squad of uh, Jedi's, as well as Shaki Kun, uh, Kiadi Mundi's pad one, on I think it's Geonosis. It looks like Geonosis. It looks like Geonosis, and uh, we see them. Uh, try and stay alive in some sort of like 
I think it's a down battleship of theirs. Yeah. And they're going against Grievous head to head for the first time. Yeah, and um, it really. I remember being really young and like seeing General Grievous. I don't know how people feel about him as adults watching it, but I thought he was sort of one of the coolest. He was like my Boba Fett. Well, this was definitely like I remember. I remember seeing Grievous here for the first time. Also, apologize for my little Lola. She's off in the background being a good girl. Uh, so, um, where was I? Oh, yes, Grievous. Uh, Grievous was uh, terrifying. This version where he could just like spin his body in all sorts of different uh, maneuvers. And uh, I just remember being uh, just in awe of like this evil droid menace so this is this is the commander of the droids yeah it, like there's like a body horror element to it like the way that his limbs are the fact that he doesn't move like a person but also like the fact that like um this is like sort of the backstory as to where he gets some of his lightsabers it's like really sad and like you know that like he's murdered jedi and he has proof of it and he flaunts it and it's just right his trophies he's already he already has trophies and from this episode, he gets more. Yeah, yeah. I can't he... believe. R.I.P. Shaggy Kun. Oh, poor Shaggy Kun. Um, yeah, no, just completely wrecks house. Um, and maybe that's why Kiati Mundi never takes his shirt off. Again. <laughs> or takes on another pad one. Uh, yeah, does he take on another? Probably not. Uh, this is where we kind of see the beginning of. Um, Anakin's journey into becoming a Jedi Knight. Um, yeah, we actually see his knighthood, but I think the implication was that he didn't actually go through, go through the, the trial. trial. And that right. the Force, I guess, deems that like he still needed to. And so he goes... I think they end up on a planet, and in, within the planet, um, they ask that he goes through these trials of the native people there. Right, I think it was the... Nalvin system? The Battle of Nalvin is what we see? Is what going on in this yeah. last chapter? I like how when we watched it together, um, you, you said that they sort of looked like Bothans. Kind of. Yeah. Like but, hot yeah. blue Bothans. Yeah, like just like these snout nose, like sort of like bat looking creatures. Um, but they are not Bothans. They but they are, are not. They are Nalvanians. Nalvanians? They don't have Google Translate for this, people. We're doing our best here. Yeah, um, and it's... I f sort of feel like um, this is the equivalent of the Mortis arc. You know, like, the, it's a real point where um, they're trying to connect the dots, sort of, of Anakin not just being this emotional person, but being, like, a fate, like, fated into, like becoming Darth Vader and really setting right. that in stone. I mean I love that the 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 Nelvin um the Nelvin have their own kind of Jedi trials for their warriors and it's depicted in this cave and uh really you see Darth Vader there in the cave after taking out a tribe yeah. and also the loved one which is crazy like Anakin had that vision at such a young age and decided not to walk away from being a Jedi yeah well I mean I guess he also just doesn't have a, 
like he doesn't have a choice by that point though he's already like been in the war for so long and um after being in that war like i don't think he has an identity outside of it and i think that this is something that was sort of vaguely touched on in the matthew stover novelization which also isn't canon anymore but i still feel like sort of thinks that through that anakin really doesn't have a choice and this is sort of what his fate is and i'm really surprised um because like if the timing if i understand the timing of this correctly um the this episode that sort of in cave drawing sort of explains like what happens in episode three it actually explains it before the movie actually goes to theaters right because this was before right um, which I mean, like I know, like whoa, plot twist! Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader, but but I I still think that it's so daring that um, they did that in children's television show that they like sort basically gave the Shoot. outline. Of... I mean, in this episode, we see that Nelvin warriors ripping off one of their arms just to prove to Anakin that they are on his side. Like they're ripping off limbs in a t- children's TV show. That's what I love about Gendy Tartakovsky's just art style. He wasn't afraid to push that boundary beyond what uh, the networks would probably allow him to. And uh, I commend both George Lucas and uh, Gendy for this awesome thing that they both like just created and produced. Yeah, this whole show is just really, really. Um... It's just really, really cool, and it's such, like, an unapologetic view of Star Wars that really just feels, like, strong and, like, towards, like, a single direction that... Like, the voice in this show is just so specific but clear to me. Um, Well, let's, uh... Well, let's wrap up and blow this taco stand. Okay. Unless you have any final thoughts. No, let's blow up this taco stand, Vinny. All right. Thank you for listening and taking the time to hear us out over here on Tatooine at the Docking Bay 35 podcast. I've been your host, Vinny. And I've been your host, Sharon. Thank you so much for listening. Um, And we hope that you come back real soon. Oh, yeah. This is the way. This is the way. I have spoken. Copy that.